0: Hey, Catholicism is a big tent. Beer drinkers, wine drinkers, cocktail drinkers, we all have a place.
1: Welcome to the Pints and Pews podcast. I'm your co-host, Dennis. And I'm your
2: other co-host, Robert. And we're just a couple of guys talking the Catholic faith over a pint of our favorite beers.
1: So why don't you pour yourself a pint, pull up a chair, and listen in
2: for the next little while. As we take the faith seriously, but not necessarily ourselves.
1: And as always, if you want to take part in the conversation or have an idea for the podcast, leave us a comment or swing by our Facebook page and drop us a message. Dennis, buddy, how are you doing this evening? Good, Robert, good. Another week has gone by and another semester ahead of us. But yes, very good on this Monday evening. Looking forward to tonight's guest. Lots of pressure with tonight's guest, though, I find. Anybody who deals in podcasts with drinks, and I don't know, there's much more pressure than just a regular guest, I find. So we got to make sure we got the right drink, the right glassware as well, and we'll be all set.
2: There we go. Yeah, no, it's it's nothing like talking to a professional that makes you step up your game a little bit. Absolutely. There,
1: absolutely. Yeah. Yes.
2: So I know you're always itching to get to your beer there, Dennis. That's right. So I think we should get things rolling as quickly Absolutely. as possible. So, what I thought I would do, Dennis, is I'm actually going to introduce my beer before I introduce the guest. Okay. All right. So, I went down to my local down the street, which we've both spoken about a number of times on the podcast. I went down to the old flame,
1: the old flame. Yeah.
2: Right, just down the street. And I picked up for myself a black lager. The old flame raven black lager. Now,
1: right.
2: why the raven black lager? You would ask. Because Dennis. we have
1: Edgar Allan Poe on the show tonight. No,
2: we don't have Edgar Allan no. Poe on the show today. Okay. No, I'm not sure if you're aware, Dennis, but today in the United States is the feast of St. Vincent the Deacon.
1: St. Vincent the Deacon? I never and heard of Saint Vincent he was, the Deacon. Actually, it was his,
2: his feast day yesterday, but today it's celebrated in the United States. St. Vincent the Deacon stood trial with his bishop in Saragossa, Spain, back in 304. And because the bishop wasn't as well-spoken as St. Vincent the Deacon, St. Vincent was the one who stepped up to take the stand in their defense. And because he was so brash and outspoken, where the bishop was simply exiled, St. Vincent was sentenced to torture and death. After the execution, Dennis... It was Mm -hmm. ravens that guarded his remains until the Christians could come and take them for burial. And then ravens still protected the shrine that was built over his remains. And it was ravens that accompanied the boat from Saragossa to Lisbon in Portugal. Wow. So the ravens are directly linked to St. Vincent the Deacon.
1: You talk about taking one for the team here, Robert. That's certainly the saint. This sounds a lot like our guest's introduction with his particular saints, who you're going to introduce in a second.
2: Well, I thought you were going to ask Robert, how do you know all of this?
1: Um, um, going I on. did a
2: little bit of homework. And I guess, I, yeah. I, I, I learned all of this from a great book called Drinking with the
1: Saints. Drinking with the Saints, which I believe you've lent to me. Have you not?
2: Yes, I have, sir.
1: I'm going to put it up for our audit. audit so our audio, audio
2: here for for our audio, you know, listeners. And so, and the reason why I went this route and and introduced the beer first was because we are so blessed today, Dennis, to have the author of Drinking with the Saints here with us today, Dr. Michael Foley. Now, Dr. Michael Foley is a PhD in systematic theology and the professor of patristics and great text program at Baylor University now for almost 20 years. As I mentioned, he's author of Drinking with the Saints, Drinking with St. Nick, Drinking with Your Patron Saint. So I'm not sure if you're there's, starting to see a, a it, yeah, bit of a, pattern, a pattern, here.
1: pattern here. yeah. And I'm
2: surprised it's taken us this long to get him on this show. Yeah. Right. More recently, just before Christmas this past year, he came out with another great book, Why We Kiss Under the Mistletoe, where he discusses great Christmas traditions. My favorite from listening to some of his other interviews was The Christmas Goblin. right? And just kind of made me made me smile. But he also has another book that's coming up in the next couple of months uh, where he's partnered up with Father Leo P. And I'm just gonna say Father Leo P because mm-hmm. I'm not even going to try. That's his a difficult last name, last name yeah. Uh, from grace before meals and savoring our faith, dining with the saints Mm -hmm. as well. With all of that going on between teaching and the books, he still has the time to do a weekly podcast, Drinking with the Saints, with his wife Alexandra, where they will introduce a different cocktail that is relevant to one of the saints of that week. And somewhere in the midst of all of that, Dennis, Dr. Michael Foley, Mike has decided to to bless us here on the Pints and Pews podcast. So, Dr. Foley, welcome.
1: Welcome to hey, the show. Thank
0: you so much. Thank you very much. Thank you for having me on. Well, it's it's our pleasure. Like I said, great with, to have you.
2: with all of those drinking books and drinking with the saints and drinking with St. Nick and drinking with your patron saints, I'm surprised it's taken us this long to reach out.
1: And I where, where were you? And I think that book, uh, on one of your podcasts, you mentioned, and this is a few months ago now, Michael, that's sold 70,000 books so far, probably a larger number than that at this time.
0: Drinking with the Saints has done well, for which I am profoundly grateful.
1: Right. And your father-in-law was not too keen on it. I think you mentioned in one of your earlier podcasts, he was not a big fan at the beginning, but he came around. My, my
0: father-in-law is a wonderful man who is very savvy and has all kinds of Great judgments into contemporary culture, but when I shared with him my idea for the book, he thought he said, "That's ridiculous. Who would ever buy that?" So I'm glad I didn't take his advice. Normally, I am grateful to take his advice, but it was just the one occasion in his life when he was wrong.
1: And he did come back and say, "I guess you were right in this instance." He
0: absolutely did. So that's also satisfying as a son-in-law.
1: Absolutely. Robert, so are you ready to end beers? Mine? I tried to get something saint-like, so I went to the local LCBO, which you don't have in Texas, uh, Michael, and I got the closest thing I could get to a picture of a saint on there. It's a picture of an abbot, and this this is an abbot ale from England, which, you know, just um, giving the notes here. Amber color with long lasting head, floral, oatmeal, malty, hops, aroma, medium body, creamy taste with a clean, bitter finish. So we'll see if it actually lives up to those that, words.
2: That sounds delicious.
1: I know. Can't I'm wait to pour. I'm not allowed too. to pour until I until
2: yeah, you go right ahead and start pouring. I've already poured mine. Mike, what have you what are you sharing with us? So this one, I'm really interested to hear what you've
1: picked mm-hmm.
0: out for today. Well, you you did mention uh St. Vincent the Deacon. He is mm-hmm. awesome. Um, January 23rd in some local calendars is the Feast of the Espousals of St. Joseph and Mary.
1: Mm -hmm, This
0: is their wedding anniversary. And there is an abbey in Louisiana called St. Joseph Abbey. So I am sampling one of their amber ales from that abbey.
1: And you can only get that. In the Louisiana, Texas area? Is that available all over the states? Is it available anywhere else, like in Canada or anything like that? Mike?
0: I'm afraid it's probably not in Pretty Canada. Local. It's available in Texas, which is adjacent to Louisiana. Right. So, yeah, I, I'm sorry I didn't pick something more universal. No, that's great. Oh. I mean,
1: we'll get one day we'll get down there and we'll definitely have a sip. But okay, no, Robert. And, and I love it. So
2: we're going to say grace before beer. And we'll take our, our first sip. And, yeah, we'll get... Get going. Oh, in the name of the Father, and of Father, the Son, and of Son, the Holy, of the holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Bless, O Lord, this creature beer, which thou hast deigned to produce from the fat of grain, that it may be a salutary remedy to the human race, and grant through the invocation of thy holy name, that whoever shall drink it may gain health in body, and peace in soul. Through Christ our Lord. Amen. 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 In, in the, the name Father, of the and Father, of the and the Son,
1: and of the Holy Spirit. Spirit. Amen. Amen. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers, gentlemen. Cheers. Oh, and I've got the special glassware here. I don't know if you can get a look at this, Michael. Dennis is this so was, proud of this glass. This was brought from Dublin, the um, uh, the Guinness factory in Dublin, and I was able to get my name engraved on that. Now, I don't know if this is the right pint glass, because in one show you do mention about three different pint glasses, So, but nevertheless, <laughs> here we go. yeah, Michael, this is part of the show where we get out of the way, and we ask you to take us back, if you will, uh, to your faith journey and beginning wherever you want and uh, just take us through what got you up to this day and and the books and obviously your very successful podcast.
0: Well, I was I am a cradle Catholic. Um, my mother was French Canadian. My father was Irish German. I grew up in Southern California. And uh, I always associated the Catholic faith with uh, as a source of joy and merriment. And I thought that my, my parents and my aunts and uncles and cousins modeled that very well. Uh, I went through a questioning phase in college, as many people do, but I was always curious about my faith. And that's why I wanted to study theology. There are so many questions I had, and they weren't still being answered by the Catholic education I had received. So I went on to grad school, got a Ph.D. in theology, and that kind of laid the foundations for me to do work with drinking and the saints.
1: And so you end up, so you apply of all places once you have your PhD. And I think you spent a couple of years in Notre Dame. You apply of all places to Baylor University, which isn't exactly a hotbed of Catholicism, is it?
0: Baylor University is the world's oldest and largest Baptist university. It also happens to be a dry campus. Mm-hmm. So there's no shortage of irony in the fact that I've been able to write these three books when I'm at Baylor. But when people ask, like, How on earth could you get away with this? Mm -hmm. I have a one word reply tenure. (laughs) You you get tenure first at the Baptist University, then you write about booze. So, so, is selling,
1: but it's just not selling well on campus, I guess. Is is that (laughs) that they they, they don't carry it in the
0: university bookstore, bookstore? They do not, and I don't ask them to.
1: You know, it's a side hustle, we just leave each other alone. Right. So I guess that leads us to the next question. Then where did the book, so you're teaching theology, you're a patristic professor, where, where, like, why drinking with the saints, which was such a novel idea?
0: Well, uh, so a couple of things. Um, We have six children, which is itself a reason for drinking. (laughs) And my wife homeschools, which is another reason for drinking. So Alexandra and I enjoy Um, An evening cocktail, a happy hour, where we catch up on the events of the day and let off some steam. Um, We also enjoy observing the feasts of the liturgical year, especially all the folk customs. But most of these involve food. And after a while, we thought, why don't we bring those two things together? Mm -hmm. Drinking and the liturgical calendar. Because as much as we love all of the food customs of the church calendar, it is so much easier to make a cocktail for a saint than to bake a cake for a saint. And the payoff is quicker, you know?
1: And the (laughs) payoff is quicker, definitely.
2: When you're saying that you're matching up the the cocktails with the saints' day, you follow the old calendar for the the patron saints or for the the, the feast days of the saints. Why did you decide to go that way, as opposed to the the calendar that most lay Catholics are going to be used to?
0: So I do have a way to correlate that. If you celebrate according to the new calendar, drinking with the saints can absolutely accommodate that. Um, But the simple well, there are two reasons why I chose the old calendar. One is that this book stems from the drinking practices of my wife, Alexandra, and me, and we happen to follow the old calendar. We attend the Latin Mass, et cetera. Hmm. But another reason is the new calendar eliminated over 200 saints (laughs) in order to streamline things from the church calendar. Um, I understand the reasons for that, but frankly, I needed more occasions for drinking and the old calendar provided that.
2: okay. and that's not to say that the church just all of a sudden said that these 200 saints were no longer Saints. they just took their feast days off the calendar. I think that's something that kind of we need to make sure is understood you know, <laughs> that, from our that is
0: that is the case for most of the Saints. They actually decentified a couple like Saint Ursula. They said, well, we've got no historical evidence that she ever existed. And so they just kind of wiped her out completely. But you're right. Uh, like with St. Valentine, St. Valentine is no longer on St. Valentine's Day. So they acknowledge him as a saint, but they don't have his feast on February 14th
1: anymore.
2: So that means I don't have to get flowers this year.
1: And chocolates. <laughs>
2: I, I, and I say that a little bit tongue in cheek. Uh, but, my wife will tell you on the very first Valentine's Day that we were married, I messed up big. I messed up real big. I left get gift to get the gift for her until that very day. And so I was at the mall in a panic and I bought this sweater that I thought she would like. Uh, turns out it was a men's sweater. Uh, so I've been off the hook for Valentine's Day every year since, since yeah right yeah, so that's, that's been... a bit of a
1: rookie mistake hey eh? 26 27 years
2: now robert 26 years ago and i'm reminded every year at valentine's day uh, about this but
1: yeah no i like the way you have fun with all the saints i I like i mean myself and robert have listened to a number of shows you don't take yourself seriously yourself and Andrew, but you take the, certainly the saints seriously And the drinks, but the good thing about the 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 cocktails you make and you go through everything, there's always a story to tell, Michael. And I think that's so important. I think your, you know, one of your friends' kids even said what they what they most most like about drinking with the saints is the saint stories because there's a there's a bit of trivia in there and there's something that the audience doesn't know and then they learn as they go through that half an hour, forty five minutes. So I think that's important. That was probably one of the things what inspired you to do the book and the podcast.
0: You're absolutely right. So. As you mentioned, one of the greatest compliments I got when Drinking with the Saints first came out was uh, a friend who has a large Catholic family. They they went around the dinner table and asked each of the children, what is your favorite book? And the five-year-old answered, Drinking with the Saints. Perfect. And it was not because uh, he was sampling the wares, but when his parents would have a drink, They would read the story out loud first and that was his first introduction to the saint stories so when when i was making this book i was thinking okay there are a number of catholics who love the saints but may not know the the world of mixology and i will introduce them to that what surprised me was how many catholics i introduced to the world of the saints (laughs) <laughs> oh, for sure, because outside of the
2: major saints, mm-hmm. right? not really all that widely known. And I would even say our own patron saints, we don't know a whole lot about because it's just not been part of our Catholic tradition for the, the last couple of generations. And for people who say Catholicism is boring, it, just read the lives of the saints. Because it's anything but.
1: Right. Absolutely. And if for, for those young people who don't pick up books, just listen to the podcast because you're getting, I know everybody's got, you know, they've got their uh, earbuds in and stuff. And if you get the podcast, that's really, you can get the book in the podcast and it's really enjoyable the way you tell the stories and the banter back and forth. So I think that's something that people will enjoy just as much as the book, Michael.
0: I hope so. Absolutely.
2: thinking about our own patron saints. And again, that's just something that we don't normally celebrate anymore. Uh, I know when I see, because I'll do the litany of the saints every day. And if I see that it's the saint day of someone who I know, I'll send them a a quick little text, you know, blessed feast of St. Vincent or blessed feast of St. Dennis, blessed feast of of St. Michael. And a lot of times people are like, didn't even realize that it was their saints day. And I've had only one person and she's not even a a church going person that was never even raised Catholic, but she'll say, you're the only one who remembers my saint day. She's, she lives over in France. And so it was something that they did as children, but they don't do Mm -hmm. anymore. So with that in mind, and we're not going to give anyone's age away and I know we were speaking a little bit about that before we started recording <laughs> there, Mike. Um, and I can let you know that between yourself and myself, neither one of us is the elder statesman <laughs> on the podcast here today. I will let people know that Dennis's birthday is on the feast of St. Joseph the Worker. And I noticed in the book, you had two interesting... Oh suggestions for cocktails on the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker outside of the beer from St. Joseph Abbey in Louisiana?
0: Correct. So I think the main thing I would recommend for the Feast of St. Joseph the Worker is a classic cocktail called the Gimlet. Uh, A Gimlet is actually a sort of small auger that's sort of used as a pilot hole for uh, traditional carpenters
2: so okay so it would be something that they would be using to to drill a hole into the wood
0: yeah so it's like this t-shaped hand tool uh, a wooden handle and then uh, a metal uh, screw Mm -hmm. uh, that you would use or drill bit rather that you would you would hand drill that in that created the hole for other projects so i figured saint joseph used this as a carpenter and The Gimlet is named after the tool because of its piercing qualities.
2: That sounds like it would put me in bed for a week. Excellent. (laughs) Just saying it like that. So what goes into the Gimlet?
0: Uh, One and a half ounces of gin, uh, an ounce of lime juice, and some powdered sugar.
2: I actually have that on hand. Maybe you have to make one of those later tonight. The other thing then I would I would ask again on, on Dennis's behalf before he loses his head.
1: Don't lo- I won't lose my head. Oh where sends me every day when in the feast day of Saint Denis. Go on.
2: Yeah. So yeah, Saint Denis, don't lose your head. Is there a, is a cocktail cool. for him?
0: Absolutely. So Saint Denis is famous for being beheaded as a martyr and then taking his severed head and proceeding to give a sermon for about two hours. And so in honor of him, I found a cocktail entitled The Headless Horseman.
2: Very nice. very. So, see, Dennis, you and your patron saint have something in common that you'll
1: just go on for a couple hours. And But, you know, giving a sermon for that long, too, that that's amazing. But that drink, it makes me want to take both those drinks and and get away from maybe the beer for a while, Robert, and get into some, some cocktails. Now, I know you have glassware, too, as well, Michael, so that's important. I know you, you talk on a couple of your podcasts about the glassware and the importance of it, both to yourself and Alexandra. So maybe you can just speak to me how important that is, because, you know, sometimes myself and Robert, we do always use glasses for our beer, but... I know some people will just pour wine into different glasses, but there's certain things that, you know, martinis, and you talk about the various highballs and stuff. Quite interesting that you do have particular glasses for your drinks on with regards to each saint.
0: It's true, and I'm not trying to be snobbish, and you don't Mm -hmm. need to have a large collection. But, you know, as beer connoisseurs, you know that certain, certain beers release their flavors better with a certain shaped glass. And the same is true of cocktails. So one of the reasons why the cocktail glass or the martini glass is so popular with cocktails is that it is designed to keep the heat of your hand away from the drink. So you've got that long stem and then that conical top. The conical top preserves the cold and then you're holding with your hand the stem and uh, the heat stays away from the drink. A martini, for example, is a marvelous drink. But when it's warm, it tastes like turpentine.
1: you got to <laughs> keep those cocktails keep cold. It cold. And thus all the ice in your cocktails. Now, you don't put ice in the cocktails, but you do mi- mix a lot of those drinks with ice. But you take the most without ice, correct?
0: That is correct, yes.
2: Because mm-hmm. you don't want it getting watered down. One of our previous guests... Uh, who has a show up out of Calgary, so a little bit north of where your mom was from.
0: Uh, That's right. He
2: he has these little black stone cubes that he keeps in the freezer. And then he would put those in because he says it keeps the drink cold, but it's not really seeing any water. They're not melting and watering down the drink.
0: I have those too. kind of ambivalent about them to be honest with you i does your friends say they actually work because they they don't seem to work for me maybe maybe it's texas and the the just the heat is too hot i I don't know i right
2: now in calgary i don't think they need ice cubes for anything like they're they're in the midst of a (laughs) polar vortex out there i have another friend that lives out there it was minus 40 and i'm not going to bother saying minus 40 celsius or minus 40 fahrenheit because it's the same in both that's how cold the windshield of his truck cracked. It was so cold; the windshield of the the, the truck
1: cracked, so- and that's why you moved. Your family moved from Alberta to California, <laughs> right, Michael?
0: Well, you know, it, we were we were talking before the show. My <laughs> mom was born and raised in Pincher Creek, Alberta, uh, born in 1935. Cold winters, drafty houses. She moved to Southern California and never looked back. And then when my father and 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 she retired. They moved to Lake Havasu City, Arizona, which is the hottest city in the United States. It gets to about 120 degrees Fahrenheit in the summer. And she was as happy as could be. She (laughs) never (laughs) looked
1: back. It wasn't hot enough in Southern California. Let's go to Arizona.
2: I can imagine. Well, in our last episode, Dennis, you and I were talking about that because you were watching the Gulf from Hawaii.
1: And you're like, why didn't our forefathers... Yeah. Why didn't they? Why did we end up in Southern Ontario and not in Hawaii? I just couldn't figure that out. It just looks so beautiful, yeah, especially I've, in January.
2: And I've got a buddy in Sarasota, Florida, and he's usually sending me a picture of himself and his mimosa by the pool, right on the no, on the no. Lanai.
1: And just one about your Canadian connection there. You did have your episode on St. Lawrence, which I thought that was very funny. I just wanted to mention a bit about that. When your wife, you finished the drink and your, your wife says, says and what about the garnish? And you said, in, in the straightest line, the Canadians are very simple. I thought that was the best line ever. I was telling uh, Robert about that. No, we were no killing offense killing ourselves, taken. laugh. And then he met both of us and they well, you know, I was right when I did make that episode. I guess it comes to fruition. Yeah, yeah, there um, we go. We're, we're reinforcing oh, was... the
0: stereotype.
1: Excellent. Reinforcing well, it, the stereotype. It
0: was meant as a compliment.
1: <laughs> oh, I know. It was. It was such. That was such a great, a great episode with Saint Lawrence. But so no, I'm really we'll
2: interested it. for for myself on the the drink can. For my own birthday is the feast of Saint Thomas the Apostle. Right, and it's the 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 heat of the summer at that point mm. so would, would there be a cold refreshing cocktail i'm not a cocktail guy but on my birthday i would go out and ask for what
0: well i have to say uh july 3rd is also my wife's birthday so you oh you wow toast you know raise a glass with each other um so thomas the apostle has several patronages and one of them is that he is a patron saint of Architecture. So there's a hilarious story that when he was an apostle to India, he went to a local potentate and the the king was about to go on a vacation, but he wanted a palace built. And Thomas said, oh, I can build that palace. Just leave me the money. So he gave Thomas the money and then the guy goes away. Instead of building a palace, Thomas gives all the money away. To the poor the king comes back and he looks around he's like hey where's my palace mm-hmm. and thomas says i built you a mansion in heaven for where your treasure is there will your eternal life be the king was not impressed and he threw thomas into jail and that's how he became the patron saint of architects
1: mm-hmm.
0: so i have a cocktail called the builder upper in honor of St. Thomas, the patron saint of architects.
2: And what goes into the Builder Upper so I know what I'm getting myself into?
0: It is. This is one of those old sort of Prohibition-era drinks. It's uh, an ounce and a half of cognac, an ounce of Benedictine liqueur, a couple of ounces of lemon juice, and then you top it with soda water.
1: That sounds nice. Oh, that's amazing, Michael. You didn't even look at any notes or anything. like, And he just threw a complete random date at you, July 3rd. Like, Have you gone through this book so often or you know it so well that you could pretty well, most of the days you've got something right in the top of your head? Um, I, I'm I'm very grateful for your compliments,
0: gentlemen. But to be perfectly honest with you, in the course of researching this book, some mm-hmm. brain cells were destroyed. <laughs> And so my memory <laughs> is not as good as it used to be.
1: Well, OK, so you finished the book and you thought, uh, OK, I'm, I'm only a professor. I'm only a husband and father of six kids. I've just written a book. Let's do something about food while we're at it. Like what possessed you to kind of take on that huge project as well? Because you've got now dining, dining with the Saints, correct?
0: I am very excited about Dining with the Saints. Uh, it is co-written with Father Leo Petalinghug. He is a Filipino-American priest who lives in Baltimore. He's a master chef. He beat Bobby Flay in a cooking contest on a TV show. I've seen him on um, TV before, yep. He, he's wonderful. Um, the reason why I wanted to write the book is that after writing three cocktail books, it kind of dawned on me if you want to drink, you should probably have some food first. Mm-hmm. Good idea.
1: Yeah, good idea. So, and so, then how did you that up? How did you meet up with them and who approached tomb? And what, what was the genesis beside the, the, the other than that, beside the uh, for the dining with the saints?
0: It was actually my publisher, Regnery, okay, like that, that came up with the idea. I had this, you know, successful series. Uh, they were wise enough to know that an Irishman cannot be a good cook. <laughs> and so they they figured, hey, let's what about Father Leo? And it really has been a marvelous partnership. This is the first time I've ever co-written a book with someone. But I, I absolutely love his approach to cooking. I love his uh, apostolate of cooking. He's he's a big apostle of the family meal. Dining together. As a way of strengthening the bonds of faith and family. So we hit it off immediately.
2: On that, Mike, and, and working together with someone else, I mean, if I were to take on a joint project like that, Dennis would confirm for you, and he would, for all of us, I have a little bit of control issues, mm-hmm. right? Like, De- yeah, Dennis, so he t- t- Dennis would have you- to have
1: full control, whereas you two, you and father seem to kind of mesh quite you do your bit, he does his bit, and everything seemed to kind of work out well because you've got the book.
2: Yeah, and that that was kind of my question too. Like, Did did you kind of stick with the saints' ends of thing and just say you come up with the Mm. recipes, or was there a lot of collaboration back and forth that went into that as well?
0: No, you're right. So I did stick with the saints' stories. And, And thanks be to God, Father Leo rolled with the punches because one of the unique features of this is there are lots of Catholic cookbooks out there but I dug deep into, well, what were what were the actual eating habits of the Saints themselves? What were their favorite dishes? So for example, I found out that Saint. Thomas Aquinas has a special association with fish dinners and uh, and actually curing people of fish allergies. So rather than go sort of the dumb ox route and have a steak, I asked, you know, Father Leo, can you come up with a fish recipe? And he was very kind enough to oblige my requests. So it worked out really well.
2: I find that fascinating where I would have said, oh yeah, St. Thomas Aquinas, yeah. the dumb ox, you know, was it a large, a, a, man. a, a roast or yeah. uh, I saw this great thing on the internet. It was roast beef wrapped like a burrito inside a Yorkshire pudding with you know, so, you know, something like that with, you know, like you said, for St. Thomas Aquinas being the dumb ox. But I, I, I like that. Was there a particular saint food, so a food that a saint would have eaten on a regular basis that you found, I guess, outside of St. John the Baptist and his locusts and honey, right? Was was there one that stood out or something that was a little more thought-provoking than the others?
0: To be honest with you, no, um, that, you know... Th- the, the saints' diets reflected the culture and the times in, in which they were placed. Um, what I liked about Father Leo's approach is that he respected the tradition, but uh, as a Filipino-American living in Baltimore, he's a master of fusion cooking. So he could take sort of Asian flavors, local American flavors, or, or, or Spanish, whatever, and, and put it together in a way that, to my mind, reflected sort of the Church Catholic, that it's both universal and particular.
1: Speaking of universal, as as Irish-Canadian and Robert having French-Canadian, my wife was born in England, raised in Australia. Robert's wife is Portuguese. Do you have any dishes that can appeal to maybe one of us or our spouses? Uh, well... Buy the book and see,
0: see what grabs your fancy. I I don't know what to recommend to an Irishman. Um, you yeah, know, the, other than uh,
1: stew and bacon and cabbage, I got those. Uh, yeah. Corned beef, potato, corned
0: beef, yeah. potatoes.
1: There's a potato dish in there for sure. Oh, Michael, I oh, imagine. absolutely, absolutely.
0: Yeah. <laughs> and Father Leo has a wonderful uh, corned beef and cabbage sandwich for St. Patrick's Day, which there is both go. easy to make and delicious. And I think a little more flavorful than the traditional Irish fare, <laughs>
1: <laughs> which is boiled to death, right? Yeah. yeah.
0: But you, you, mentioned... Dennis, cause... I'm sure. You, uh, I'm sorry, I'm sure, Dennis, you've heard the old joke. What is the uh, What is the Irish idea of a seven course meal?
1: Uh, uh, a six
0: uh, pack uh, and a potato. I think that you're <laughs> That's right.
2: <laughs> but you, you guys are making these potato jokes. Some of the the best meals I've had have actually been potato and surprisingly oh, it, it it was in france right the mm. um, like the the raclette in the in the mountains where you have the the melted cheese that goes on top of the potato mm. uh and the the pommes de terre dauphinoise which is a lot, like a scalloped potato are, oh, are no. some of my
0: favorites yeah Fa- father leo has a recipe for gratin dauphinois oh, i have uh, to look that one up for saint john marie vianney because his nickname for the devil was le gratin. And uh, it's an absolutely marvelous dish. I made it for my family and they said, oh, we had no idea potatoes could taste this good.
2: Yeah. And when I was living in France and the, the wife of the family, the mother of the family I was living with, cooking was her pastime. And so we had the, the gratin dauphinois uh, a number of mm. times. And then you mentioned saint jean Vianney the The town of As is about ten kilometers, so the town of As is maybe about six or seven miles from where my friends live, right? And so, yeah, he's just he's one of my favorites, and we have a big icon of him in our parish church. So,
1: um, well, you mentioned that in your book too. Sorry, Robert, him wrestling the devil. You mentioned also Padre Peel wrestling with the devil. Those little tidbits that you give in some of in some of the podcasts and in the book they're fascinating. That's just that's interesting. That's really. I mean that's stuff we don't usually get, at, uh, Michael. So I think that's something that you know both listeners and readers of the book would appreciate. Those little things like, "Wow, this was so real for them," and it's for us. It's like, "Is this really believable?" But like as Robert points out, and certainly with Padre Peel, these things were happening to them.
0: Absolutely, and I I try to dig up interesting stories about the saints that can sort of capture the imagination and draw us in.
1: And you yeah. do that really well with uh, Alexandra, your wife, for sure. In the, yeah, in the and podcast. I was
2: going to say on the book here, is something that you would say to people, you start January 1st and you work your way through and you, you're making recipe after recipe or more along the lines of you know, looking for your patron saint or looking for uh, a favorite saint or perhaps a special meal that comes along at a particular time of the
0: year? No, all of the above. And the way dining with the saints is structured is, you know, it, it's hard to do a big family meal every day. And so the idea is maybe just choose one night of the week, maybe two, where you really sort of bring your A game. And uh Father Leo, who's been doing this ministry for a long time, recommends that couples have one uh, cooking night per week, <laughs> where they they get in the kitchen and they cook together. And there is something marvelous about preparing okay. a meal together. That kind of cooperation. I would even extend it to the children on some nights. There's something special not only about having a family meal, but preparing it together.
2: That that is beautiful, and I like that. Yeah, yeah, no, I, I like that notion as well. Though I don't know if I'll be allowed to be in the kitchen at the same time as my wife i get i get a little worked up like i
1: said a couple minutes ago i've got control issues um, yeah so no but most people cook and my wife cooks i cook but we cook supper we cook on it but i like the whole idea of kind of sharing that and trying to get along in the kitchen that's a great it's a great idea i think we have to take uh certainly look into that for sure maybe you can take turns on being the sous chef yeah that's right somebody's got to do all the prep and stuff like that for sure
2: yeah, I think we can. Make but, um work.
1: tell us, I think I'm excited. You know, Robert introduced me to the book, and then he said you've got to check out the podcast. You've got to check out the banter between you know Mike and his wife Alexandra, which has been great. But then I ended up on the website, which Robert pointed, and then not only can we get the book, but we can also get some. You've got some glassware. You've got some items on there that would you know dovetail nicely into these drinks. So maybe you kind of want to tell us a little bit about that, Michael. Oh, sure. So. I, I do have some gift items. I have a Drinking
0: with the Saints mixing glass that can be used for uh, cooking as well. Uh, Drinking with the Saints cocktails. I guess the item I'm most proud of is the Drinking with the Saints wine charm sets. So uh, I saw those. Yes. You know, yes.
1: Go on. Tell us more.
0: You know, So wine charms are little things that you fix to your wine glass or your cocktail glass that reminds you that this is my glass <laughs> for the night. So the host isn't always washing glasses or whatever, but we have saints medals uh, as the charms. So you just remember who your
1: saint is for the night and you're good to go. And you're cooking, your grilling apron too. I've seen that in the, uh, that looks like a big popular item there. I'm thinking especially either the men can have it or the women, what whoever. I'm very proud of that apron
0: as well. It was made, locally in the united states it took over forty thousand stitches to make the drinking with the saints logo and it was done with love and devotion so i i'm happy with that apron as
1: well and it looks great other thing coming up shortly just around the time of your anniversary and i immediately notified robert he knew about it but we're, we're both working i think you're going on a little trip are you not with your wife and father leo
0: so Father Leo, Alexander, and I are hosting a riverboat pilgrimage cruise through the Douro region of Portugal and Spain. We're going to be visiting uh, Fatima, uh, and there's an option to capstone it at Santiago de Compostela, the great pilgrimage site to St. James. So we're super excited about this. I've never done a, a, a riverboat cruise before, but apparently it's a great way to travel because... You never have to keep changing hotel rooms. You you wake up in the morning to a medieval city. You spend the day visiting it. There will be mass and confession, great food, great drink. You go to bed on the boat. It takes you to the next destination, and you wake up to a whole new place.
1: And when does this take place, um, Michael?
0: It uh, starts April 22nd and then goes to May 2nd with an extension an optional extension to Santiago
2: right, so you'll be there to days, celebrate
0: okay. your your wedding and your 25th
1: your wedding silver, anniversary silver anniversary yeah that, that's Excellent. absolutely that is correct
2: and an absolutely beautiful part of the world uh, i've again had the the pleasure i've been blessed with mm-hmm. the opportunity to travel to those destinations we did it by car and yeah, I think you're taking the better route, being on the boat, having driven the roads in Portugal. Uh, yeah, it added you can't a few, it, added a few gray hairs to this crown of wisdom.
1: And you can't do it in the summer vacation. So myself and Robert can. So join it, me it would here probably with triple, triple the price
2: if it was in the summer yeah, vacation. Yeah, and it's know, probably
1: it, a little little cooler too than the middle of July and August, maybe than in, in late April and May.
2: Yeah, but it it, it is absolutely oh, that, that is sounds absolutely like
1: a fun. That's a beautiful, beautiful cruise.
2: and uh, We're looking forward to it. It should be exciting. Father Leo already has the menu planned out for you. You're going to be eating well. I can tell you that now.
1: And I think there's cocktails on board. You're going to make some cocktails too, so everything's good. And maybe if it's successful, which I'm sure it will, you're probably off for more in the future. So then myself and Robert will be able to jump in there, please God, one day. I certainly hope so.
2: Now, if people are interested... In joining on the cruise, I'm sure there's a a couple of spots
0: left, or is it full up? There are a couple of spots, but not many. Uh, The the last I heard is that there are only seven cabins out of a a hundred and something. So it is filling up, but drinkingwiththesaints.com website has a link on the homepage that will direct you to the the pilgrimage uh, uh, company website.
2: And, and that was going to be my next question, which you now already answered, is where would you want to point people to find out about the cruise, to find out about uh, all of the giftware, and especially to find out about the books? I'm sure they could even pre-order the, the Dining with the Saints.
0: It, you can pre-order it on Amazon, and then the drinkingwiththesaints.com website has information about the cruise as well as the gift items we discussed. We also have a Facebook page, which we invite you to Uh, follow. And then, of course, as you mentioned, there's the Drinking with the Saints podcast, which is on both Spotify and Apple.
2: So lots of of great places for people to meet up with you, to meet up with the saints and to to find a few new cocktail ideas. Uh, Like I said, I'm not a huge cocktail guy, but when I'm listening to the podcast and when I've gone through the the Drinking with the Saints, all of a sudden it's like, that looks interesting. That absolutely,
1: sounds... I think pints, you want Robert. you want to you
2: want to ditch the pints for an episode, don't you, there, Dennis? You know what? A
1: little bit into a couple of cocktails, you know, not be so simple. Maybe I don't know what the proper terms there on, on your podcast uh, makes it sound very inviting, Michael.
0: So, hey, Catholicism is a big tent. Beer drinkers, wine drinkers, cocktail drinkers—we all have a place. Perfect. You know, absolutely. <laughs>
2: Now to to add to your collection of different paraphernalia here, uh, something we always like to get out to our our guests that come on the show is uh, a pints and pews ball cap. Once we're done recording here, we'll get uh, your coordinates and we'll get one of those uh, into the mail to you.
1: Send it down to Texas way.
0: Wonderful. Thank you so much. Uh, that, it looks like a great looking and we... cap. Well, well designed and
1: handsome. Well, Michael, uh, well, and on a future episode, we'd love to get you back on to talk more about books and your podcast with your wife, Alexandra. So hopefully down the road, we can get both of you back on.
0: That would be lovely.
1: Uh, She's game as well. She's the more interesting
0: fully, anyway. So.
2: (laughs) Thank you so very much for taking the time out this evening from uh, your busy schedule. And uh, yeah, we, we hope to see you again soon and have a, Have such a wonderful time on the trip in the Duro. Like I said, I know you're going to love it.
1: Take care, Michael.
0: Appreciate it. God bless.
2: So, Dennis, buddy, what did you think about our
1: guest this evening? Oh, that was a great show, eh, Robert? It was funny because you had read some of the book. I hadn't read much. I perused it. But I've listened to a number of the podcasts, and it was a great to put a finally a face and a voice to one of the co-hosts, Dr. Michael Foley. Fantastic. Wow, so prolific. I mean, how many books? Father, professor, six kids, and he finds the time for our podcast.
2: Yeah, I know. It was such a blessing to have him on the the show this evening. I just find it so fascinating, right? The lives of the saints, like we said during Mm -hmm. the show. Now, people say that our faith, that Catholicism is boring. <laughs> All you have to do is read the lives of the saints, right? And there is so much adventure.
1: I, and there. you know what, Robert, you're absolutely right. Just read Drinking with the Saints or listen to the book. Even if you don't drink, you just listen to the podcast, read the book, because there's such this this amount of trivia, this amount of knowledge that you get about the saints that you had no idea took place. It It makes the faith that much richer, does it not? Oh, for sure. And it's so inspiring. The lives of the saints
2: are so inspiring that they kind of, yeah, it gives me the, the kick in the pants that I need
1: to get Absolutely. out there
2: and live a, a holier
1: life. I All mean, right. And because I, the book, I, I we, we mentioned Drinking with the Saints, but Robert, we forgot to mention the subtitle of that, which the, I love.
2: The Sinner's Guide to a Holy
1: Happy Hour. Great book, great podcast. He's got another book coming out, Dining with the Saints. That cruise, we cannot go on because we're both working, but boy, we'll get on there one day, please, God. God willing, God willing. Now, how was your Abbott Ale there, buddy? Oh, you know what? I'm going to buy that Abbot Ale again. It is...
2: I thought you were going to say you are going to buy that finney. Abbott
1: and Ale. How was it? Was it... was? It, was you was know, it, I'm was, not just saying it because it's got a picture... Of an avid in the twelfth century on its can, I'm going to say that was absolutely excellent. I really enjoyed that, rich and malty. Well, Yours, sir. How would I, I, I need to thank St. Vincent head, the I
2: Deacon for his uh his patronage, and you know my old flame. Like I said, it's my go-to. The old flame. It's down the street. Uh, They brew excellent beer. The Raven, a black a lager, of the uh, a, a nice, rich, full flavor. I don't know if I've ever had this one from the Old Flame on the show before. Uh, I do know it was on the show. Again, our friend, the Cordial Catholic, Keith Little, the very first time he was Mm -hmm. on the show, uh, when it was just himself and myself, this is what he uh, was drinking that day because someone had given that to him
1: as well. To him, oh yeah. Right. Uh, Oh, that's right. When the ratings were really high, when it was just you. Exactly.
2: Right, yeah. Exactly. Anyhow. So anyways, Dennis... The time really has flown by this evening, and my hourglass is just about empty.
1: And mine is empty, but as always, Robert, it's been a pleasure, both the pint and the conversation.
2: Well, I think especially our pints this evening.
1: Very Yes, but it's always a pleasure to talk about the Catholic faith as well
2: very true very true and just before we wrap up here dennis perhaps there's one small favor we could ask of our listeners
1: if you could take a quick moment and a couple of clicks to follow the pints and pews podcast on your favorite platform and give us a review and while you're at it give us a like
2: on facebook and drop us a line either there or by email at pintsandpews at gmail.com we always enjoy hearing from our listeners
1: chat again soon my
2: friend god willing And until then, why don't you remind our listeners of the wise words of
1: G.K. Chesterton. In Catholicism, the pint, the pipe, and the cross can all fit together. God bless. Take care, Robert.